1: 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BolamBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
2: The Opinion Line on courts 96FM. I want to get to talk to Dr. Brian Cotter. We have talked uh, many times over the last couple of years about what you might call DIY DIY aesthetics as in going to someone who's not registered to get things like fillers and collagens and all those things. And a leading medical expert, a medical director of the Sisu chain, Dr. Brian Cotter, has warned that there are an abundance of untrained practitioners and is calling on more regulation for that aesthetic industry. By an abundance of untrained practitioners Brian, I'm going to use a word you might not use. Are you saying quacks? Morning.
3: Good morning, PJ. How are you? Look, I mean, I think like you said, this has been problematic for a long time. Um, What we're beginning to see is just an increase in frequency an increase in intensity in terms of the complications that people are getting. And what we find across our clinic group, we have 16 clinics in Ireland. We have them in the UK, we have them in the US. But particularly in Ireland, there's an increased number of primarily young females who are contacting the clinic, attending the clinic who with infections, with reactions, with you know malplacement of something like a dermal filler and in severe instances we've had people come to the clinics with with blockages of arteries in their faces and you know on numerous occasions over the last number or probably the last 12 18 months we've had to send people to the emergency department and we also have gps who are contacting us it's a very serious issue james uh, my brother and myself have written to the to the minister of health we've been speaking to the hpra which are the regulators um and basically, when we spoke to the HPRA, they said it's a legislation issue, it's not an enforcement issue. And then when we wrote to the Minister, uh, Minister Donnelly, he said that it's it's actually an enforce- enforcement issue, not a legislation issue. So it's quite frustrating. And look, mm. the medical community in Ireland is relatively small, but in the aesthetic space, it's even smaller. And when we talked to our colleagues, we are really experiencing a large increase in in people coming in who have had these dermal filler treatments by non-medical professionals. And the yeah. big thing around a dermal filler is it's classified as a medical device, which means that you as a DJ could go and open a dermal filler clinic somewhere. And it's scary when you think about it. And where, where would I train, I mean, in reality, PJ, you don't need any training often people go and do an online course or they do a one-day course they get a certificate and even you know if you look in things like instagram you you'll see these profiles because i get hit with ads every day for them and you know it's a profile and it says fully insured fully accredited and when you look at it there's actually no medical training there's no qualification and i think one of the biggest risk factors in this is that people don't know what they're doing They don't know when they've caused a complication. And even just to give you, uh, you know, probably within the last two weeks, we had somebody who attended our clinic who had a massive indurated infection in their cheek. And they had it in a non-medical provider they contacted them, and this is this is kind of quite sad, actually. I felt very felt very sorry for the person. She was then told that this is nothing to do with us. This is your fault. You put makeup on your face, and then they blocked her on WhatsApp, oh, blocked for her on Instagram, sake. and refused to take any of her calls. So then that that person ultimately had to be sent to the emergency department. Because I know know CISU
2: is medical-led, Brian. I remember Pat Pat Phelan Mm -hmm. telling me this back on day one. CISU is always medical-led. You will always have access to a medical professional when you go to to CISU.
3: Exactly. I mean, the thing is, with with James, myself, and Pat, I mean, the the clinic is doctor-owned, doctor-led. It's very structured. Everybody that works within the practices are medical professionals. They're doctors. And what we'll find is that, you know, There's a training aspect to it, and I always say to people, you know, if something is cheap, ask yourself why. I spoke to to a consultant of
2: mine a number of years ago, Brian, uh, Mm -hmm. I won't say for what now specifically, but I was asking him about a procedure that I was thinking about, and he does it, the same thing, and he said, don't you go near, he said, I spend at least one day a month cleaning up other people's mess when I can. Yeah. Is that what you're finding yeah
3: yeah but but i I think probably the biggest differentiator in that is that is that your consultant friend is is dealing with medical complications from other medical providers. what we're finding is that we have people coming in who uh, have been to places where we don't know anything about it. You know, we don't know what the product is. And even in, in a legislation piece, the only thing for a dermal filler to be used in Europe is that it has to have a CE mark. And I've had patients come in to me with pictures of a filler, never heard of it. And when I do some research, it was made in China. It got a CE mark in Norway, and it was injected into their face by somebody who had no qualification. It's actually, it's it's frightening. How is this even legal? Point, I, it's, it's a legislation piece. It's, it's again, or rather the lack of legislation. Dermal fillers are, are classed as medical devices. It's classed as a grade three medical device. Yeah, but a, a medical a device, hard, sorry
2: to cut a question, yeah. but a medical device, yeah. in, in my understanding, is a, a heart valve, a, a, a replacement knee or hip a pacemaker. Yeah, yeah uh,
3: <laughs> no. and, and a dermal dermal filler, there's different classifications and grades within them, and a, and a dermal filler falls into the into the medical device category. Wow. I know it sounds kind of odd. Botox is registered as a classified as a drug. So in Ireland it's doctors and dentists are the only two professions that can prescribe and administer it. And what we're calling for is just a, a change in this classification because I think if you don't we are going to be having a conversation in the not so distant future, where a young person is going to have lost their sight. They'll be hospitalised. They'll have an adverse event and effect that will be permanent.
2: You you talk of people coming who've had something put into an artery in their in their face. Mm. Like that can cause yeah. all sorts of complications.
3: It, it can it can make you blind, PJ. It's the first thing you know. It's it's often people are are a little bit afraid of botox and fillers they can be a little bit blasé about botox is probably one of the most researched drugs on the planet it's incredibly safe once it comes from a pharmaceutical company and you can follow where the drug comes from and it's administered by a medical professional fillers are liquid gels and they're injected into the face and I, and again what we're kind of seeing is a younger demographic because the prices generally within a non medical provider are cheaper so you can get a lip filler for 300 euros or you can get a lip filler for 100 euros and what happens is that you know it's as you grow older and as you go through life you know your experience and your mistakes teaches you certain things and often i think an older older person will consider okay i'm not going to go there But when you look at the advertising with it, when you look at the comms with it, the Instagram piece, it's very directed towards a younger individual. If somebody injects a dermal filler into an artery with it, it blocks the artery, it decreases blood supply to tissue around that artery, and ultimately, you know, you either lose tissue, if it's going to the eye area, you can lose your sight. We're talking, we're we're, we're talking scarring at least, and 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 often.
2: you came across someone, I think, Brian, who very nearly did go blind.
3: I did, yeah, I did. I mean, it was it was it was probably one of those moments for me where she was probably didn't understand the severity of it. Uh, again, a young female um, came in via a friend of mine who's a GP. She presented to him he doesn't know much about the aesthetic space and he just asked me look would I take a look at her Uh, had an under eye filler typically
1: it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind
3: use cannulas with these which are like blunt, uh, bl- blunt instruments so you don't go into arteries and things like that she had it done with a needle in a tattoo parlour and that was actually the person that I was referring to that the product was uh, was made in China got a CE mark in Norway nice. and there was just this complete oblivious you know she wasn't aware that anything was untoward with it and you know she came in she had an infection that's why she came in but in reality the placement of the product and how they did it you know if you were a centimeter to the left or a half centimeter to the left that person would have had a very different experience Mm. and you know they they likely would have would have have lost their sight
2: and did you come across someone who'd had this stuff Inserted while they were lying on a kitchen table.
3: I did, yeah, yeah. These uh, these kind of house calls. Um, it's 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 insane actually when I think about it. So with uh, somebody with a lot of clinics in dublin um and again i was in clinic on the day and and kind of came in um didn't really have an issue was more coming to us for treatment because she had such a bad experience with 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 this somebody she found somebody on instagram um and basically this person did a house call and she had her lip fillers lying flat on her kitchen table sounds like so totally bizarre but this is a really common occurrence it's a really common occurrence Mm -hmm. and you know we're we're finding now that the legislation piece you know you see the ministry of health talking about giving warnings for people going abroad for for surgery and you know facilities out there mightn't be as good as ireland or the legislation but but i think you know you have to clean your own windows first before you go pointing at other people and i really do think that they have to get a grip with it because if the legislation isn't brought in, the HPRA cannot do their job. And the HPRA is a tremendous organisation; right. they're fantastically hardworking people. But they
2: can only impose the
3: rules that
2: are there for them to impose, and there yeah, are no rules. And, and
3: exactly, and there are no rules, and it's frustrating for them. And you know, you probably hear a slight frustration in my voice when I talk about it, because for us at the moment, it's it's like screaming at the tide you know it's like going down to fountains down screaming at the tide and saying i don't want you to come in and it's you have no control over it and unfortunately what's happening is that that wave is is getting bigger i would love to say this is going to become a public health issue this already is a public health issue and and it's and it's it's frightening at the moment
2: and you say that social media has questions to answer here because of we're so it's so important to us, or has become so important to us
3: how we look online. Yeah, I mean I mean look the social paradigm has shifted. I think, you know, whether you agree with the aesthetic space or you don't. You know, James and I always say to people, nobody needs what we do. What we're trying to get attention on is, is not the, the rationale of whether people get it or not, because it's their decision, but what we're trying to push for is a safe environment, where if people are getting these procedures, they have them by medical professionals who are trained and qualified, not only to carry out the procedure but to deal with a complication if and when it arises. And any doctor who's listening out here will understand that complications are a statistical probability. Anybody that says they've never had a complication hasn't done enough volume of a procedure. But what's happening, even the fact that non-medical people can do these treatments is one thing. And then when when there is a complication, so the risk of complication goes exponentially higher because... reality they don't know what they're doing then when they don't know what they're doing they can't recognize that they've caused a problem and this is common like you know that's a bruise don't worry about it and you know that will go away in a few days time and what actually happened is it's a seeding infection it requires antibiotics it requires drainage and even with things like a dermal filler to reverse a dermal filler we use a a compound called uh, hyaluronidase and it basically reverses the filler that in itself is, is controlled. So, so this is the thing about it. You have people who are doing dermal filler treatments who can't reverse it because they can't get their hands on the product that's used to reverse it. And then in certain instances, I've seen people saying that, you know, they had it reversed. And then I'm a bit confused. I'm saying, well, where did they get the product to reverse it? And they're like, oh, I don't know. I see. I see. And, with, and with things like hyaluronidase, there's a 1 in 8,000 risk of anaphylaxis. Yeah. And that's, that's like what? extreme hypersensitivity reaction. And it's so, so yeah, it's one in 8,000 for something like that. So, I mean, there's, there's like, this is like almost a Swiss, Swiss cheese model. You have all these holes. And what's going to happen is all of these holes are going to align perfectly. And there's going to be a person at the end of that. And in fact, I think it's going to be more than one. Because often when this happens to people, there is a deep sense of fault there's a deep sense of regret there's a deep sense of embarrassment and you know I've had before a 16 year old girl come into the clinic in Cork with her mother in tears her mother kind of saying you know a head in the hands what are you after doing and she had a lip augmentation she paid 75 euros for it and she had an abscess in her lip <sighs>
2: she-
3: Yeah, and that's that's difficult for a doctor to deal with because often as well, our insurance companies are now saying to James and I, they're like, guys, you know, if you have a non-medical person who did the procedure, you know nothing about the product, you can't really take over care because what happens is that you're drawing everything into this circle. Yeah, and then what happens is the patient will have absolutely nowhere to go and it'll come to a point where it'll be okay go to your emergency department go to your GP. I have friends of mine that are GPs, we talk all the time friends of mine that are consultants in emergency departments I get text messages from them what do you think I should do with this and that in itself is going to put a major burden on the public side of the health service
2: yeah. I'm thinking of all the possible complications here of injecting stuff into one's face that you don't know what it is and like you said could have come from china been given a c mark in in norway you don't know where it came from you have to wonder maybe that what's the psychology of this here brian have you thought about it at all
3: in terms of why people, in hesitate, terms of white people will take a chance run. like
2: this with their face, their eyes, their lips,
3: I, 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 I think the biggest thing with this is there's an age profile here. You know, James and myself discussed this an awful lot, and you know, for every person that walks through a sisu clinic, and I'll often say to me, you know, "Why did you choose us?" and they say, "Because you guys are doctors." But for every, for every person that's like that, and typically they're kind of more learned. I wouldn't say sensible but they're more sensible in years they'll come to a medical practitioner and I mean for us you know we just recommend going to going to any medical practitioner Mm -hmm. as long as you've done your research with it but I think what's happening is there's a younger demographic here that are extremely price conscious and what happens is that you know for us to get your under eye filler done it's 550 euros but like you can get it for 80 euros It's hardly going to be the same. It's hardly going to be the same. They'll go on Instagram, they'll look at it, they'll see it superficially, optically, you know, oh, that looks fine. And then they'll look at it on the little Instagram profile that says fully insured, fully accredited. Sometimes there's a kind of pseudo picture of somebody in a white coat. And often when you talk to these people, I'm like, were they a doctor? And they're like, "Uh, I'm not so sure. And I think the psychology piece of it is that when you're younger, people will take proportionately higher risk without thinking about the downside of it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Is there an age before which people shouldn't even... We hear of... There's a thing called sprinkles. It's a new one on me, but I think young girls are very interested in it. Uh, It's kind of a Botox, I think. I don't know what it is. You'll tell me if you've heard of it. Isn't it too young, though, to be enhancing yourself?
3: Yeah, I mean, look, we always say, like, nobody needs what we do. It's totally irrelevant. If you had chest pain today, DJ, you need to go to the Mercy or you need to go to the CUH. The age profile piece of it, we don't treat people below the age of 18. If, for example, with things like a dermal filler, you know sometimes you'll have people who've just come of age, they'll come in with a mum, they might be looking for you know a non-surgical rhinoplasty using dermal fillers because it bothered them for an awful long period of time. but at that point they're consenting adults. And when we meet them, we really take our time. We slow everything down. We say, look, you don't need any of this, but here's how it works. Here's the information. Information is very powerful. It's the it's the key component to any medical consultation. I think in terms of age profiles for injectables themselves, uh, it's dropped significantly. And James and myself are doing this over a decade now. And, you know, initially the probably age profile was people in their early 50s, late 40s average age now for things like Botox is probably around thirty. Because people understand it a little bit more. I think the science piece of it as well, they they like the fact that there's efficacy in, in, in what we're doing. Like anti wrinkle cream in reality is like my mum was a big fan of anti wrinkle cream previously, but but it doesn't work. Yeah. You know, so that's why people are coming in and are having treatments. And I think the other thing in a in a societal norm is we're desensitized to it. You know, you see it all the time, your phone, this person gets Botox treatment, this person gets that, it's become normalized. And I think probably the biggest thing we've seen is that people previously probably wanted to look less old, mm-hmm. now they want to look better. And I think that's the key, that's that's the key differentiator with really. it.
2: Yeah, yeah. There's also, you can now get your profile picture for whatever platform you choose, done up on ai so you look like you look like
3: someone you were never meant to look like and and yeah yeah it's 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 there as well i think i think people's want to kind of look you know look better look different i wouldn't say different actually i think people just want to have a fresher aesthetic and a fresher look
2: i mean i'm sorry you no know, the days of me ever going to be looking at anything like brad's Brad Peter, George Clooney never, are, never, are well never behind say
3: me. There will be. Say never, PJ. <laughs> Brian can, can, can't can't improve on perfection. I guess. <laughs>
2: yeah. I've enjoyed our conversation. Thank you very much, Dr. Brian Cotter. He is medical director of Sisu, and they are now. He won't use the term. He's too much of a gentleman. I'm far from it. Um, they are now cleaning up the mess made by quacks who have no training. No background, no knowledge of what they're doing, they're taking a chance, they're quacks. They've had one day, an online course, and they're sticking needles into people's faces. And Sisu, which is medically driven, is now cleaning up the mess after quacks, and sometimes they have to send them to the emergency department because that quack has done so much damage for a fast book. 0818 96 96 96. Talking earlier on this morning to Dr. Brian Cotter, medical director of the Sisu chain about, my word, he doesn't use it, he's too much of a gentleman, I'm far from it, quacks involved in backstreet aesthetics, fillers and, and stuff like that. And he as a medical doctor was telling me the kind of things that he's seen. He's now people coming into his clinic and uh, trying to clean up. He's trying to clean them up after these chancellors have, have had their time with them. And look, some people are doing it because it's cheap and, and they can't afford to pay prices for actual clinics, but they're doing more harm than good to themselves. Lorraine O'Riordan has the Aristo's Clinic in Oliver Plunkett Street. You heard me talking uh, to to Dr. Cotter. Lorraine, good morning to you.
4: Good morning, PJ. How I, I, are you?
2: Good. Are you seeing botched jobs coming in to be fixed?
4: Yeah, well, I suppose what prompted me to make the call really was just the changes that we have observed. Um, We were, I suppose, 16 years at least now, introduced injectables to our clinic um, amongst the other services we have. And it was a big deal then for someone to get an injectable done. And you think about having it done um, and, you know, you do your research. Whereas now um, it's become a massive business, which is fair enough, but equally There isn't any standards in place or there isn't any board set up to ensure safety regulations, which I think would be a huge preventative for botched jobs, um, backstreet clinics and all of the above.
2: Brian explained (laughs) it very well. He said that there's no legislation there, so the authorities can't actually act on this because there's no legislation.
4: (laughs) Yeah, well, I suppose in the UK and other EU countries, um, they have a board set up which people can do their research, see if the clinic is registered, check out the credentials of the injector, whether they're a qualified doctor or dentist. But that is not the case now, which is really creating the surge of younger people to go anywhere and have work done. I mean, we have several times turned away business um, I'm saying turned away business because that's really how it's looking these days for a younger person will say 20 years of age who wants Botox and obviously it's too young but they will go elsewhere and have the procedure done mm-hmm. so that's just the way it's there there's, there's so many loopholes there is no um, rules so you can't control where a person's going to go Equally, I would point out that very few people, it's all very well to say, you know, you should check the registration of the product. But people, younger people especially, they're not going to ask what's the expiry date on that filler. Mm -hmm. They're very much driven by price. So affordability, you know, I suppose for the more mature person who has the spend and the disposable income will spend more and go to a proper aesthetic clinic. Whereas younger people are just driven by the lower prices and obviously then that can lead to all sorts of complications, which Brian pointed out, and we see them every other day as well here.
2: As as a man of a certain age who has now sort of settled my mind to ageing disgracefully, I I don't don't Mm -hmm. understand how someone aged 18 or 19 even once Botox, Lorraine.
4: Yeah, yeah, I suppose it's just the... The time we're in, the you know, people at that age, they're just totally exposed to social media. A lot of people, I think, actually, what I've observed is are starting to look the same. There's a lot of overdone work with lips. And sadly, it's turning off the genuine people and their, you know, perception of having any potential work done. So, you know, if you can imagine a 50-year-old woman who is considering having some injectable work done because she's done with the anti wrinkle creams and all of the above, she sees a lot of overdone people and it's a total turn-off. And as I said, there's a lot of similarities with a lot of younger people now with shiny faces, very, like, the trout pout look, and it's just not nice. I mean, the whole purpose of injectables is to enhance your own natural look not look different mm-hmm. so you know if people could keep that in mind because the problem will occur whereby they'll have a product they won't know what it was and who knows the side effects in a year's time
2: yeah and and you, and know, you say you've, you've you've turned people away in the full knowledge that they're going to go elsewhere
4: yeah and there's a huge difference with the age bracket now that want to have and undergo these procedures and like I said, we turn them away, but they will go elsewhere and they will be treated elsewhere for a fraction of the price, even though we would have deemed them not to be suitable candidates for work, particularly Botox. I mean, you can't consider giving a young person Botox, um, you know, unless it was prescribed for other reasons like sweating under the arms or
0: uh-huh, something
4: uh-huh. really on that level. Uh-huh. But otherwise, and it's kind of sad to see it, actually, when you know, because where will they go? Mm. At 30, if they're starting injectables at 20, I know. you know.
2: When the professionals like yourself and like Dr. Cotter are, mm-hmm. are pointing out all of the problems, it must be very frustrating that the authorities just do not seem to be listening.
4: Yeah, and unfortunately, I suppose, like everything else, it will be a case of when something very serious happens to somebody that action will have to be taken. But it would be very beneficial, I think, at this stage, if people could educate themselves a little bit more before they undergo having work done, because once a product is injected to you, it's in, particularly when it's your face. You know, and I suppose it's just for young people, they're vulnerable, they want to look, you know, like whoever they've seen in social media, their friends are having it done. So there's no end to the lengths that they will go irrespective of the fact that I'm sure most of the parents would know they're having it done. It's just a different, it's just different now, completely. And it's sad, actually, to see it.
2: It's important to warn young people, young people who might be listening, Lorraine, Mm. you put this stuff into your face. It's there forever. You can't get it out. And if it goes wrong, you could be in trouble.
4: Absolutely, 100%. And, you know, I suppose what I would be emphasising for people would be to ask questions. First of all, what product they're having done. And a lot of products, most of them, they'd have a registration mark, an expiry date. But if the younger people would ask those questions and give an, be given proper answers that they feel, you know, a lot of the people that are going for injectables will say I'm talking about the ages of 18 to 23 in particular they're not bothered about any of the factors that I'm pointing out there but they should be because once it's done it's done Mm.
2: and if it goes wrong
4: and yeah (sighs) and the qualifications of the injector is very important as well you know and there's certain um, standards that have to be implicated and you know So if people could make themselves more aware before they undergo a treatment, do their research, check out a couple of different clinics that are established and they know they're not, you know, backstreet, upstairs, you know, and price wise as well. I mean, there's a reason why someone would be charged 100 euros for a filler versus 300 or 350. Mm. You'd have to question what type of filler it is. And all of the other factors that I have said. Just going forward, I think that will be my message today. And um, because you can't undo the work, unfortunately.
2: Yeah, and that's most important. Lorraine, I appreciate the contact. Lorraine O'Reardon from Aris' Clinic in Ottpunctree got in touch after hearing me talking to Dr. Brian Cotter from Sisu. Uh, uh, an awful lot of backstreet, fly-by-night quackery. In the injectables and stakes game, and very little being done about it. Corks ninety six FM.